All right, we're here with Jason Kalipa. At this point in 2020, I'm unsure how you should be introduced anymore. You know, probably for the first few dozen hundred podcasts you did, it was CrossFit Games champion, but now you are so much more than that. It's it's hard to know where to begin. Uh, I'm just, I'm a dad. I'm a, yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, no, I mean, I, I look, I, I like to think of myself as a, a business owner. CrossFit Games champ, and uh, you know I got the pediatric cancer advocate. I'm a, I, I, I'm a, I like a few things, and I, you, as a barista, I'm gonna start roasting my own coffee, so you can add that to the list. Oh, barista, right on there. <laughs> yeah, I, I've said this before. I don't remember who I was talking to, but I said, I, th I think you are the, you are the person that did the most with your championship. I think I was actually talking to OPT. I was talking to James Fitzgerald, and I said. You know, he's done a lot, but I think you've actually been the person on, you know, out of all the champions that have taken the most and run with it, you know, and, and, and grown them. Do you, do you agree with that? Is that too? Uh... No, I mean, I, that's a pr pretty bold statement, but yeah, I mean, uh, I appreciate that. I think, I think, uh, I mean, you could call it a few things, right? I caught the sport at a right time. I won at a right time. And then I stayed relevant for a while and I didn't, you know, like, like, you know, because then I took third and, and second and 13 and 14. So that was a pretty long span to be in the game at a high level. So, you know, I don't know. Rich is, there's a lot of people have done a lot. So I'm, uh, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> well, and, and let me clarify. I mean, what I say a lot, you also did it with one championship at a time where the eyes of the world were not on the CrossFit Games like they are now. Yeah, yeah, true, true. And I mean, and I'm really curious what's going to happen with the CrossFit Games this year and moving forward. I mean, that's, that's, that's some, some very interesting times right now, for sure. I was really fortunate to kind of hit it. Like, I, I mean, obviously, again, I'm partial, but I think that I hit it at a really fun time where like 12, 13, 14, 15, those were like really cool heydays for CrossFit, in my opinion. I, I agree. You know, it was like almost, hey, we're still on the, the this is the cool in band to see. Like, we feel like we're doing something a little underground where now it's so mainstream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and then at this point, who knows what's going to happen with, with the shift from the Home Depot Center to Madison. I mean, that's a big shift. And Home Depot Center was unlike any other venue. I mean, that place was awesome. And the tennis stadium could just not be replicated. Um, but I, I'm really interested to see if they're going to bring it back to the ranch this year. Yeah, I mean, obviously this year is completely up in the air. While we're on the topic of the games, though, out of all of your years, what was your one favorite event that you did? Oh, I mean, uh, without, a, without a doubt, the burden run, for sure. And that was in 13. Uh, that and then the, the um, half marathon row. And, and, and people would ask, like, why those two events? Obviously, I won them, right, which, which, which helps, of course. But it's because most of the time when you're competing, you don't know you're going to win until you win. And... So I, I, I've won multiple events over the years and you don't know until like you cross the finish line. Cause it's pretty tight and all your focus on is, Hey, get to the finish line, whatever. But in the burden run, you know, I knew for probably a solid, I don't know, two minutes that I was going to win. And for the half marathon row, same thing. And so you're able to actually like soak it up and, and um, kind of feel the energy of the crowd. So that's, that, that was, those were really powerful um, events for me. Where does the 30 squat clean and jerks rank there? It doesn't rank as high at all. Um, it's because that one I hadn't, and this is like a, like not to get all like theoretical, but 
when you put a lot of work into something and then you accomplish something, it's totally different than if you, I'm not going to say like 2008 games, like a walk in the park. That's not my intention. I started off in six that day or whatever it was. And then I ended up winning the cross games. But at that time I'd only worked really hard to win for maybe a year, like really hard. When I got back on the podium in 13 and 14, I had been working for almost a decade day in and day out sweat and sacrifice. And so when to get back on the podium and to be winning events, then it just came with more, um, it, it, it just was a, it was a benefit of a lot of hard work. It, it was still great to win, but it didn't have the same context to me as it did later on. So you, you come away from the games in 2008 and immediately you opened your first box, correct? And that was, um, Nor NorCal CrossFit. So close. It was CrossFit Santa Clara, which we then rebranded NorCal CrossFit. So you're right about NorCal. So we were CrossFit Santa Clara for maybe, I don't know, two years. And then we opened up CrossFit Mountain View, CrossFit Road City, CrossFit this, CrossFit that. And we said, hey, we want to have one brand to overarch them all. So that's when we rebranded a NorCal CrossFit. Um, this was, um, you know, 2010, maybe. But you had to get that name from Rob Wolf. We did. Yeah. Yeah. You're one of the very few people that knew that. Um, and he, if I'm not mistaken, his was CrossFit NorCal or NorCal CrossFit. I can't remember if it was CrossFit NorCal or NorCal CrossFit. I can't remember. But yes, I did. And what happened was um, CrossFit HQ actually helped me with that at the time because I wanted that name and Rob Wolf wasn't using it. If he was using it, of course, we wouldn't have tried to take it. But Rob Wolf had the original NorCal CrossFit or CrossFit NorCal, and uh, he didn't want to give it to me. And I, I even offered to buy it from him, whatever, um, the website and all that stuff. But long story short, we ended up getting it. Um, it wasn't like crazy. It was amicable, but it was I had to have HQ help me out. Well, I think HQ's stance is if you're not an affiliate, you can't use the URL and however they have to get it. So you, you, go, you go on from the games, and obviously you're still competing and you open all these boxes, but you know, given the circumstances now, we really wanted to chat with you because you are, you really have your hand on both sides. You have this, these great boxes, but you also have this tremendous online presence when it comes to CrossFit programming and, and CrossFit training and even development. What has the impact been so far on you? I mean, it's been, it's been huge in the commercial gyms. And in the commercial gyms, see, we took a, I'm not going to say that what we did was right or wrong, but it was right for us where we put all of our members on hold and then they opted into a few other options that we gave them. The other option would have been, we put every membership as is, and then they have to opt to be put on hold. So we, we went with the more customer. I don't want to say a customer forward approach. That's not fair. It's just with the size of our community, it was a right move for us. With If you have 100 members, maybe it's a different story. But when you have thousands, it's better to just put everybody on hold and they could opt in for something else. And so our revenue dropped. I mean, we're talking 60 70%. I mean, it was, it was a lot. Were you at a disadvantage because you were already putting out so much online content? Or was it because you have so many boxes? So in other words, your members were already accustomed to getting this online stuff. Right. And anyone that subscribes to your programming knows what I'm talking about. I mean, you guys put great content out daily for your workouts. So where they were like, Hey, why are we paying? We already get this. 
I, so when we closed our gyms, we gave our members within like, you know, a, a couple of days, we had to get, kind of get our ducks in a row. We gave them four options. Option A, keep your membership as is, right? I mean, not as is, reinstate your membership, I should say, because they have to actually tell us to reinstate. And if they do that, we will reciprocate those months to them within, you know, X amount of months of reopening. So if you, if you keep paying your 200 bucks a month, we will reciprocate that. We will give it back to you, basically. We'll credit it back. Oh, wow. So even at that point, you were still doing, not, you know, again, like you said, I don't want to make boxes seem like the, the bad people, but they're collecting payment and it's basically for live months. You're saying if you pay me in April, we're actually going to kind of credit you a month in the future. That's right. And so we, we did four options. And again, I want to be really clear about this. For our business is what we chose, but I'm not saying this is great for someone else, the 100 members. And, and so for us, we did uh, four options. Option A, you pay your membership, we get that cash flow. Within X amount of days, we then return it to you once we reopen. In addition, you get to rent equipment, right, which we use DocuSign for because we had a lot of people rent equipment. So it wasn't like a handshake deal, it was more DocuSign. And then they also get all of our digital products, our Facebook Lives, our, um, you know, our app, all that stuff, right? And that's option A. Option B is you can do $40 a month, which is just all of our digital products. That's our Facebook group, our nutrition stuff, our app, all that good stuff is $40 a month. Because what we realized is that someone was signing up with us for $200 a month, but we are exponentially, we are, we're significantly changing the service we're providing them. And we thought it was better for them to opt into this new service because it is different. It's not the same. Even though there's a lot of personal connection, it's not walking around the class teaching and correcting. So that was option two was the digital. Option three was virtual personal training, which can be bucketed into any of these, right? So that's, you know, hey, I want to train with, uh, you know, you, Jason, right? Um, and what we did is we used that as a revenue stream for our coaches and also a way for our coaches to kind of have skin in the game. Like if you want to go out there and promote yourself, we're going to give you essentially all the money coming in from virtual personal training. But now it kind of puts the onus back on the trainer to go out there and create some revenue and it adds value for the members. So that was option three. And then option four was just keep your membership on hold. And we look forward to seeing you back when we reopen and we'll stay engaged with you. So that's what, that's what we did. And, and let me ask a couple of follow-up questions. One, are the places you, are you, you're renting, were they still charging you rent during all of this? Good question. So in the Bay Area, um, the Santa Clara County put a mandate that landlords essentially can't collect rent for two months. Like they, they can collect it, but they don't have to, they, they can't like kick you out. They can't, there's no penalties or any of that stuff. So essentially we start off by sending emails and letters to all of our landlords talking about force majeure and using all this fancy language you could look into with your leases. The long and the short of it is we haven't paid rent where we haven't felt like we needed to. And here's what I mean by that. If we're in a relationship where we really like the landlord, we see a long-term success, it's been a great partnership, and we know that they're struggling, we're gonna do the best we can to work with that person, pay the triple nets, whatever. If it's something where maybe we're not in it for that long, or maybe it's a different relationship, we need to make sure we hold on to as much cash as possible because we don't know how long it's gonna go for. And then it's naive for us to think that, you know, I'll just use two of our locations, Redwood City, Mountain View. You know, you're talking, I don't know, 900 active members, let's just say active, active, monthly reoccurring. For us to get back those 900, it's going to take like six months, I think. And it's not going to happen overnight. So we need to cut off all expenses that weren't official to keep our cash in the bank so we could get us through this tough time. So 
And, and that makes perfect sense. And the, the other question would be, and I'm thinking how to word this, were you almost at a disadvantage because your business is so structured? And I don't want to use the word real. That's kind of what comes to mind. Like CrossFit affiliates are small business. They're more mom and pop. NC Fit is to me like, hey, this is a legit operation. It's harder for you to, hey, support us. Yeah. No, I, 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 100%. I think we fall in this weird category, right? We're not Apple, obviously, right? We're also not your mom and pop that has 100 members where you know the owner, the owner coaches most of the classes. And when you pay your $100 a month, you actually feel like that's going to paying them and their bills, right? We're kind of like in this gray area where, you know, it, it, yes, we, we, we were and we weren't, right? Because we also have the digital revenue that's still coming in and we're trying to add as much value as we can to the NC Fit Collective gyms, which are all the gyms that use our program. So we're providing them probably more value today than we ever were because of all the things we're doing, webinars, uh, at-home programming, uh, you name it. We're providing any tool that we use for our business, we're providing to the collective gyms. And so I think that's, that's helpful. And so we've retained a lot of those members. And so we do have that revenue coming in. But from a business perspective, the way we're approaching it, again, I'm not saying this is perfect, is that if you're an employee of ours and you could work, if you can work, we're paying you. If you can't work because you're a full-time coach, we then need to shift and either you're on PTO or potentially for some people we had a furlough. So going to your NC Collective, how many boxes use NC Collective currently? Approximately. Uh, close to 900. So nearly a thousand boxes. Are they, are you putting out programming right now for them to dispense to their members, assuming they're training at home? That's right. Yes, correct. We have, um, we have two programs right now that are fundamental for like in the gym called NC Metcon and NCX. And we have a new program that we created that was designed not to be adapted from our current programs, but to actually be created for at home called NC Go, which is primarily dumbbell related, which is what I've been following every single day. And so we put all that out to our coaches and all the gyms with videos and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And just so the listeners know, yeah, you could check out Jason's Instagram. You put out, I mean, obviously not as much detail as what the app provides, but you're giving out a lot of the workouts that the, that the gyms are hitting and you're doing them right, you know, in what appears to be your you know, garage gym. Yeah. So, uh, you know, on, on my channel on NC fit plus, those are all like just workouts. That's our, so the way we pivoted our business was we said, Hey, we used to be really focused on business to business, right? Like the gym owners that you and I are talking about, but we never really focused on the end consumer. It wasn't like, it wasn't our focus, but now I believe we have a really good product for them. And so we're going after, and trying to add value for the end consumer. We have a new partnership um, that we're launching pretty soon um, that, that's gonna help with the mobility side of that as well. So we're really excited um, for what is to come with the at-home stuff, while not forgetting that we are a brick and mortar business as well. And are the gyms that are using the collective, are they staying on despite the fact that you know their, their boxes are closed down? Yeah, the reten uh, retention with them has been really good. Um, I think we've lost, you know, we've lost a few, but it's a very small percentage. I'm expecting, this is my hypothesis, right? That 20% of CrossFit gyms will go out of business. That's my hypothesis. So far, we've seen maybe um, a 1% attrition on collective gyms. But that's not to say that that's not going to change in the future. You say 20%. That's a number that I've heard thrown around. When do you think we'll see that? You know, it's not going to be 
gyms survive a month, two months, but like you said, it's going to be the six months when you open again and members aren't coming back in because they're afraid. There's so many factors to what you just said, but I'll lay out three that are really important to me. Um, number one, I mean, obviously their cash position, how low are they doing going into this epidemic, right? Because the challenge is if you're already like, you know, uh, this is a really interesting analogy, but if you have someone that's in the hospital and they've been going in the hospital every month for the last year for different illnesses, and then COVID unfortunately took their life, right? You could say, hey, COVID was the issue, right? But what you don't realize is that for the last year, they've been having major health issues. And this was just the thing that put them over the edge, potentially. In business, I think it could almost be looked at the same way. Is there an owner that's kind of been in the hospital once a month their business, barely making cash flow, pulling out $2,000 a month as their payroll? And this is just the thing that kind of puts them over the edge and says, hey, you know what? We were already on the fences. And this is just the thing that not only socially does it make it more acceptable to not reopen, but it also is like a really good, like, check-in right now because you're not in the brick and mortar every day so i think there's gonna be a group of those kind of people that are gonna they're already on the fence like re, and this just gives them a reason um the other thing is um i think that another major issue is gyms that overcorrect is a really big problem for me so right now our business like i said earlier has three verticals corporate open to the public and digital we already had those verticals and it took us a long time to develop them these guys overnight pivoted from a brick and mortar business to a to a um digital business for right now that's a great solution and i think that's really a great idea but when they reopen their brick and mortar are they going to be too focused on digital or too focused on brick and mortar mortar and all of a sudden they're going to do both of them really poorly or how are they going to compete in a digital space where you have other competitors have been doing it for decades how are you going to win there and so one of the big things that you're going to happen is owners going to know where do i want to go and how am i going to do it how do I set the path forward? Because I'm not gonna be able to compete with the guys that only focus on this. And I can't compete with the guys that only focus on this if I'm one foot in, one foot out. Yeah, we've had a couple of people on. We've had Sean from Active Life and JP from Brick basically trying to make the same point. Hey, you guys are all trying to jump ship. And, and there are other leaders and influencers like yourself pushing people to do that. And I think it's the wrong decision because if you are an affiliate owner, you're a box owner. You're going to open your doors again one day. And if you're not prepared and perhaps using some of this time to further your, your coaches, your, your, your systems, it, it's, it's a, could be a wasted opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a fine line. So I think to be clear, like on my stance on this, I think while the gym is closed, you have to do whatever you can to add value for your members to retain that revenue, no matter what, right? Like, you're just, you're literally doing whatever you can to hold on to them by text messaging, videoing, live classes, whatever. But that's not your core business. Your core business is in-person touch points. That's what you've been doing for a decade. You're doing this as a, as a means to an end to get you back in the gym with the best retention possible. That's option A. And I think that's, for most people, that's probably what should happen, right? You're not a digital business. You're a, you're a brick and mortar business that went digital because of this challenging time. It's the people that get wrapped up or maybe this goes on for way too long and maybe you find a way to shift to digital. Just recognize what, what, what repercussions is going to have on the brick and mortar side. If you have personally guaranteed a lease for five years and you're focused on nothing but digital, how are you going to pay that rent? You know, you know you're speaking to digital and I don't want to get too far off topic and I don't know if you have any involvement with them, but I have a question for you. What's it going to take to get, the CrossFit version of Peloton out there. <laughs> so here's the problem with Peloton, not problem. P 
Peloton, I just want to say from the start, phenomenal product, very well done, excellent for what you get. Agreed. And I'm full disclosure, moderately hooked right now. My wife just bought the bike. Um, so I've been doing it. I know your buddy MDV. He's, yeah. he's, you know, so I can see, like, I know all the things that make it successful. But, and I'm wondering now what it's going to take for CrossFit or, or someone, because I just look at it like if anyone's going to do it, in my mind, it's you. So, well, thanks. Um, and I, I think we need to go there. I do. Um, I think there's a model that we're going to work towards. Um, I think live classes are valuable, but I also think pre-recorded live classes that are high quality audio with music, with something that's accessible and easy to flow with, right? I think these are going to be little nuances. The reason why SoulCycle, or not SoulCycle, excuse me, Peloton is so successful is because it's very easy to manipulate, right? You're, you're on a bike, you're doing your thing. When you get off the bike, you still follow certain things. And, and it started off really as this foundation of one unit, you're on a bike, it's really easy to pay attention to. I think that the product that we will be trending towards needs to have that same capacity, right? It needs to be easy for the consumer. Otherwise, people just get turned off, you know? And they, and they don't want to have a lot of gear either. So yes, I see where you're going with that. And I think it's going to happen. So, you know, some of the, the benefits are, like you said, you, you look at a monitor, everyone around the world is looking at the same two to three stats where, and now Peloton does offer a strength class where, but it's hard to know, hey, where am I at versus where are you at? What should I be doing? All of these scaling options. Is that kind of what you're referring to? And I agree, it's got to be like, I can see you guys recording at your, you know, beautiful box and leading it almost like a group aerobic class where Jason's like full steam ahead, MDV's over in the corner scaling, you know, your other coaches are doing different versions, almost like the old school VHSs you would pop in and watch Body by Jake. Yeah, we're, we're playing around with a lot of stuff. I've also been on YouTube doing live workouts every Monday, just getting feedback, trying to understand what's working, what's not. And then once we create our plan, then we could go full force at it. But we have, we have plans to go after that market. Um, and I think we could do a really good job on it. I just want it to be done right. I don't want to half-ass it. So outside of, you know, making sure you don't go too far to one end or the other, what's some other advice you have for boxes right now, especially given the fact that in, in a week, we may be looking at some states reopening? I think that if your financials, like right, right now, right, right this second, if your financials aren't clean, clean them up. Because if you want any government assistance, you need your shit as locked as possible. If you want the payroll protection plan, if you want the EIDL, if you want any of that, you have to be crystal clear on what are your financials and then crystal clear on how you utilize that money. Otherwise, people are going to get stuck. And so if you are a small business owner right now, a gym owner, and if you've been like, oh, like, like I was back in the day, oh, you know, whatever, the money will play itself out. I'm just going to offer good coaching. Yeah, that's cool. But if you want any government assistance, you need to have your ducks in a row there. So start there today. That's, that's number one, right? Um, because there is assistance. It's hard to get. And if, you're, if your stuff isn't locked in, there's no way you're going to get it. And this is coming from a guy that every day, all day, we have people that are fighting to get that money for us. So just letting you know. Um, the other thing is, is, you know, we don't know when we're going to reopen. And there's some states are going to reopen in a week and we don't know what the guidelines are. So take, for example, California. We haven't heard from uh, Governor Newsom when we could reopen. When we do get the green light that we are in this first phase, we need to uh, analyze exactly what the precautions are that are mandated. And then which ones do we want 
based off co uh, customer experience and customer um, perception. Meaning, do we want everybody to wear a mask? Do we want that to be a requirement or uh, add-on? If we are gonna do it as a requirement, we need to provide that. Those are things we could look into now. Um, are we gonna have 45 minute class instead of an hour so we have customary cleaning in between? These are all things we have conversations about now and what programming looks like moving forward. You know, if these people haven't done high intensity training for six weeks, they're not gonna come back and start doing muscle ups. We need to take that in consideration. I mean, maybe they can, but you get what I'm saying. We need to kind of progress them up. I see a whole new line of masks coming out, NC fit masks. Is that yeah? Is that yeah, I mean, I think we, we gotta figure out how we're gonna do that, but I think what I don't think gym owners understand well enough is that I was walking on the street yesterday and this lady was walking on the street. She must've been probably at least, I don't know, the, the sidewalk was enough to have six feet apart easily. Dude, this lady basically sprinted across the road to get away from me. Those, those social perceptions are not going to go away overnight. So even if you could reopen, it's going to take you a while to get, yeah, you'll have the hard knocks in there or whatever, but if you want to actually apply to everybody, you need to get ahead of from a marketing strategy. This is what NC Fit is doing to ensure your safety. We're going to do this, 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 this. And I recommend any other gym owner to be doing that too, regardless of what the state mandates. That should be a minimum requirement. Correct me if I'm wrong here. So your daughter, Ava, was born with leukemia. Is she still immunocompromised? Uh, she wasn't born, wasn't born with it, born with it, but yeah, born with it, but yeah. Yes, the answer is yes. So does that impact what you might do as her father? You know, I think that's, we were, we were just talking about that. And it's not just like, hey, I'm healthy. You know, I, I could do whatever I want. It's, are you going home and living with elderly? Are you going home and living with immunocompromised? So how does, how does something like that impact what you do on a, on a business level? I mean, that's a great question. Um, and I think it's all based on the person. Like take, for example, for me, I really want to roll jujitsu. I haven't rolled jujitsu in however long. And my wife doesn't want me rolling. I have a friend who's been quarantined for whatever. She won't let me roll jujitsu with him because it's just, she just doesn't feel comfortable. I am like kind of 50, 50. I'm kind of comfortable because I know he's been kind of taking care of for her. Not. So each person's going to come to the situation with a different preconceived notions. And it's just going to be individuals having to decide what they're comfortable with. But obviously for me, yeah, I mean, dude, I'd be lying to you if one of the challenges that I run into so I film in the gym once a week and I keep my distance from the person that's filming for me. But like, I'd be lying to you if I didn't concern myself with everything I touch, everywhere I go, everything I'm doing, not for me. Like, dude, if I get sick, I'm not really tripping. Like it's all good, but I have people around me and others. And I think that's going to play a big role into when people come back in your business, you know, because you're going to get peer pressure, not peer pressure. You're going to get family pressure not to go do those things. I'm you know? in the same Some exact are, boat. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got buddies that are training jujitsu and I know they're pretty much quarantined, but you're right. It's, it's, it's at what point are we just opening up Pandora's box? And it's like, you know, we're doing jujitsu with these guys, somebody else shows up, it's, et cetera. Yeah. And then look, you can go down a huge rabbit hole on all of this that we're all quarantining ourselves, but you know, we, we build our immune system through getting these little minor virus, you know, and then all of a sudden our immune systems, let's just say they drop and then we go back into the public, what's going to happen then. There's so many factors. It's very, very difficult. Um, you know, I can only speak from my experience. You know, when, when my daughter got sick, she was uh, four, about to turn five. She just turned nine. So for three years, she was going through chemotherapy, two and a half years, right? That's a long ass time. 
during that time, especially the first year, it was super heavy, right? Super, super heavy. So we were like on like, like level 10. Like if people came in, like, I don't care if you're my best friend, be like, bro, if you feel sick, if you're not taking your shoes off, if you're not washing your hands, you, you're not welcome to my house. I love you to death, but you're just not welcome. And that, that was the level because it was so severe, right? And what we found was that we started to have this, we went a little bit too far this way, right? If we went to a restaurant, we'd clean everything with Clorox. And, you know, she was bald at the time, so no one really said anything to us. It was kind of like, a, you know, whatever. We'd be wearing masks and whatever. And we started to realize it was really impacting her quality of life because we were going overboard. And so slowly we, we weaned off. But it took us about a year to kind of wean off that, that, that kind of like overly attentive. And so I'm curious with people who are going through this for a month or two, how long it'll take them to wean off. That's, that's, a, I mean? that's potentially the best analogy I've heard about this. Um, you know, like, I, you know, fortunately I've not been in the situation that you were in, but I, I, I've heard of other people talk about a cancer survivors where they've really had to protect themselves and, and the struggle it was to kind of go back to normal, I guess. So my question to you would be, cause I'm in the same boat. I do jujitsu. I stopped jujitsu a day before my school closed. You were actually on my professor's podcast, Elliot Marshall. Um, oh yeah. So I like that guy. So I trained with him and I, I stopped going on a Thursday and they closed the next day before they were told to. And I was, it was almost like I was happy because it made my decision easier, but they're going to open. And I don't know when I'm going to go back. Like, I don't know when, now that Ava is, you know, done with their treatments, when would you go back? When are you going to feel comfortable going back? Such a good question. Um, I think we need, I think my, my family needs to be comfortable with me going back. I'm comfortable, right? But I need my wife to feel comfortable. Because the last thing that I ever want is for there to ever be resentment built up if God forbid something did happen and it looks like it was my fault. I wouldn't be able to live with that. And that's very challenging. You know, it's, it's also challenging from travel, Disneyland. I mean, and this is a huge business conversation. That's the reason why we're kind of pivoting to this in the conversation is that this all plays into public perception on when people are coming back to our gyms. Like my, my stepmother-in-law is the biggest Disneyland fan I've ever met. She, she goes to Disneyland as much as she possibly can here in California. Does she have all the pins and everything? Is she like oh, one of those dude. people? I mean, as dedicated as you can get. My wife, for example... My wife, so I was on a plane once a week for the last 10 years of my life, right? I've been traveling all the time. My wife loves to travel. And you talk to my wife, you talk to my stepmother-in-law. They're not going to go back to Disneyland or traveling for several months, even after they get the green light. And those are people that are die hard. So imagine the people that are kind of like on the fringe of coming in. It's going to take them even longer. Well, no, and that, that's exactly my point. I mean, jujitsu is a huge part of my life as is CrossFit and training and I've told this numerous times since being forced to train at home, you know, I get free memberships typically at coach places, but I'd be like, I don't know, like I'm surviving here. Like training, we were learning like 20 minutes a day is enough. I don't need to snatch 300 pounds. Like two sets of dumbbells is all we need. So I can understand those that were like you're saying on the, on the fringe, it's going to take a lot longer. Jiu-jitsu, on the other hand, you can't do at home. Right. My wife yeah. will not roll with me as much as I ask her to. But but at the same time, it's also a much closer contact sport. I mean, peop, the day you go back, you're getting someone else's sweat in your mouth. Like that's happening. It, it, it's happening. Yeah. And, so, yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of like and I think the reason I'm asking, I'm curious is because the box owners that are listening, that's what they need to figure out. What are so assuming California said on May 1st, you guys can open. 
no restrictions. What are some things you think you might do? And I know you've thought of some, but you haven't kind of put it in place because you're waiting to hear from the government. But what are some things you've discussed? Like, hey, no matter what, we're doing this to keep people safe. So first off, if it was May 1st, um, let's see, today is the 23rd. I, we wouldn't even open on May 1st, right? Because we don't have enough time. I'm looking at this as a re-grand opening. So I'm looking at this, like right now we're scheduled for June 1st. That's what we're thinking, okay? Yeah, let's just say it's June 1st. A couple weeks out, we put out communication. A week out, we put out communication. We want to put out communication, communication, communication. So when we reopen, it's very clear and concise. You know exactly what your value proposition is. People know exactly how to sign up for classes. What I would do is I'd come up with like some type of strategy, like five key things. Like, hey, NC Fit is here for you on your fitness journey. We are taking these five steps to ensure your safety. Number one, um, let's just uh, say for the sake of argument, right? Um, all members are required to pure out their hands and they walk through the door at the front desk, number one. Number two, um, all members shall remain six feet of distance and we have created uh, blocks for you to be in that setting. Number three, we've enhanced airflow through new circulation systems that we've embedded in and whatever. Number four, we are enacting a mandatory 15 minute break in between classes to thoroughly clean with a custom made COVID-19 uh, you know, cleaner. And uh, number five, uh, you know, we have optional masks available for those who feel comfortable available to you, right? These are our five steps. And then we go out to the public say, hey, not to mention, we're limiting class sizes, right? And let's get back in the gym, let's stay healthy, let's do the things that we know got us to a place where we are this healthy, but this is our strategy. So that's what I would be doing. Um, it's just a little premature today. So we don't know everything, but we're starting a list of the things we're thinking about. Have you considered doing what some supermarkets are doing and saying, hey, from six to 7 a.m., it's elderly slash immunocompromised classes? No, because you know, for us, our, our, our demographic is so all like relatively in the same cohort that it's something that would make sense. But for us, you know, and what, I did want to touch base on this. We talk about doom and gloom, but I actually think CrossFit gyms are potentially in a better position than almost any other boutique fitness uh, location. So let me explain why. CrossFit was founded on this warehouse, grungy warehouse, didn't really care about square footage, just try to go bigger is better, right? For years, bigger, 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 cheaper warehouse, probably not even zoned right, whatever, Am I, right? You agree? Oh, absolutely. Orange Theory, Berries, F45, what are they based off? Retail locations, optimized square footage, how many people can I get in a specific time? Which is very important for business, of course, right? That's, that's what we pivoted our model to, which was from warehouse to more smaller locations, more boutique feel. Where I think CrossFit has a good opportunity is we base our model off one person per every hundred square feet because most of the time people had a barbell in their hand, right? Orange Theory didn't base it off that model because they didn't have a barbell in their hand. So CrossFit, the locations are already bigger than the average other boutique fitness center because they were accommodating for barbells. If we maybe remove the barbell or even if we keep the barbell, it might already create that six feet of separation we we're already talking about. So this is something favorable to the CrossFit space compared to the other boutique space because we weren't predicated on optimizing square footage. We should have been, that's arguable. But now, well, we don't really need to worry about it as much. That's a, that's a great point. Cause you know, Orange Theory's F45s, if you've been in, it's very obvious, like 
they they got this much square footage, they put this many rowers in. So they may say 24 people in a class, but now you need six feet. 12 of these rowers are no longer able to be used during this class. Right. And now all of a sudden their business models first break down. And so it goes the same way with restaurants. You hear some restaurants that might open up with half the amount of tables. They might not even open up. They might just say to themselves, hey, it's not even worth it for us to open because we can't accommodate our rent at that number. Or maybe say, hey, I'm going to offset some of that rent by doing, you know, to-go orders and only have half the people inside. Well, and the other, you know, benefit to CrossFit is we have all day, you know, people aren't going to go in for dinner at two o'clock in the afternoon, but people may go to a class at two o'clock or three o'clock. They usually go at six. Maybe you offer a discounted membership rate if you take these off-peak times. There's, there's yeah. lots of ways to, to accommodate for that. With, yeah, or you have to upcharge, right? So if you're going to limit your class size in half, maybe you need to charge double, uh, hypothetically. I like that. That's a, you know, for some people, my brain immediately went to discounting. I like how your brain goes to upcharging to be in the peak. That's just a great mentality to, to have there. Oh, dude, it's going to be a race to the bottom if people start discounting. I mean, I get emails every day, um, and what people don't understand is that they need to look at their price per square foot. They need to look at their rent expense. They need to look at their overhead and say, hey, how many people can I accommodate in this space? How many classes can I offer? And either the financials pencil out or they don't. And if they don't, you got to change something about it, period. I mean, it's very black and white when it comes to your financials in a box. How much has training at home impacted your overall fitness? You know, I, I competed in the Rogue Invitational. I was really getting after it. And then after that, that was May. And then after that, I've kind of been kind of more focused on, I like dumbbell workouts. I like, you know, I don't like snatching 300 pounds anymore. It's just not something I'm interested in. And so this style of training hasn't really affected me too much. So you, you think if you were going to go do the Legends competition again, you'd be right up there? No, 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 no. I think that I trained hard for that. And the key things that I knew, I, I had two weaknesses going into the Legends category. And I trained, I'd be lying if I told you I didn't train hard. From January to May, I really dedicated myself because I wanted to win, of course. Um, and the two areas that I was lacking the most was pure strength and abdominal st stamina. Those were the two. Like toes the bar, sit up stamina, that kind of thing. And then also just pure strength, clean and jerk snatch. So I started off and I built myself a, you know, a program and I was able to, it's funny, I built myself up to pretty good numbers. And then at the invitation, there was nothing super heavy so whatever it's fine if 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 i threw out you hey jason you can either win uh the the crossfit games masters division or the abu dhabis which are you taking right now the bjj abu dhabis yeah the world championships for for bjj yes uh bjj oh really so are you that are you like shifting it's it's a hard balance for anybody out there that's listening one of the most frustrating conversations I've had over the years is with my BJJ friends to train CrossFit. I know you maybe have an easier position as you know one of the best ever. It's a little easier for you to sway them, but it's harder <laughs> for me to sway them as they're choking me out. Like, by the way, you should try this CrossFit thing. Ha yeah. Have you found that to be complicated? Um, it, you know, where it starts to get a little less complicated is that on the mat, my stamina, my conditioning, my strength are non-factors and so especially now because i'm a purple belt i have some technique behind it um and they feel the strength they feel the stamina and they get in, they're like hey what's going on i'm like oh i have this background this other thing and it creates a conversation but 
you know, at this point in my life, like, you know, I, I really try and live my life by this way of saying, am I reaching my full potential in whatever we're doing? And everybody's going to have different levels of potential, you know, based on, you can call it God-given talent. You can call it a bunch of different things. But in CrossFit, I feel like given my whole situation, I reached my potential in the sport. And when Ava got sick, it was a really easy way to just say, hey, man, I'm, I'm good. Like, this is, I'm good. And coming back for the Rogue Legends was something that I wanted to do for me, not because I needed to prove anything to anybody. I, and moving forward, I just don't have a desire to compete in masters or things like that. Like I want to, I want to try new things. And that's why the jujitsu I've, I've competed in jujitsu three times and uh, I would love to, to do it again. Uh, you know, I would imagine your first day on the mats, you were basically just given your fitness a, a low purple belt. Is that accurate? No, 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 no. I, I did get my blue belt probably quicker than most people. Um, but it, you know, I, I, given my fitness um, I was able to get away with some slop you know but you also gotta remember when you're a really physically fit person you could start doing sloppy stuff that then gets you caught for example someone's got you inside control just chest on chest just crushing you you could just bench press them off all of a sudden you bench press them off they take that arm and they're you're done and those were things I had to learn and and one of the best things I learned at an early time in jiu-jitsu is is I had a lot of coaches that that they they knew I was strong and fit or whatever, but they really focused on positions and technique with me, which played a big role because as I kept going, I, I, I kept putting myself in positions where I couldn't use my strength, which is a good thing. Um, cause that, that'll always be there. If, if you were just to look back at your CrossFit games career, imagine a, a bracket of all the best athletes you've won against who's winning, who's winning a jujitsu tournament. Are you winning? You tapping rich, you beating Matt Frazier. I mean, I think that's at this point, you know, it was really interesting. I was doing a podcast with Roy McKern about like the old days of CrossFit and I PR'd my snatch for the 2009 games by two, uh, at 225 I PR, right. Or maybe it was 215, whatever. That's like a number. Oh, it was 225. Matt Frazier could probably do 225 30 times in a row. I bet. Right. And so I asked Roy, I said, why do you think that was? And it's because of, um, competency, right. Efficiency, comes from um, time under tension, comes from repeatedness and, and whatever. And at the time, I didn't spend enough time snatching, so that's why I was only at 225. As I had more competency, more development, more exposure, I got better at it. Well, these guys have no exposure, no competency in jiu-jitsu. And it takes a long time to develop the skill to understand how to get out of the position or how to do an effective armbar. And so, yeah, I'd say that I, I would be in a far superior position. <laughs> Wouldn't you just love to armbar Austin Maliolo? <laughs> armbar him? Yeah, yeah, he's got some long arms. Yeah, we probably get him with his armbar. Exactly. All right, last last topic. I appreciate your time. You are notorious for having unlimited energy. Just you're the person where someone knows you. They're like twenty four seven, dude. You cannot keep up. I thought I was busy. I thought I was doing stuff. You've, you've met your match. You know, your book AMRAP mentality is, is all about that and also just being focused. You know, if, what are some of the tips you would put out there? Everyone this day and age, you've scrolled through social media. Everybody's putting out, you know, their inspiration, their quotes, what they do. What, what are you really doing? What can someone strive to do? 
Like what's a normal human being like Jason Kalipa do that I can do that someone listening can do? Well, I mean, I think it's, it's twofold. It's, it's, you know, for me, it's exercising for the reason to like, I never want fitness to be an inhibitor. So if my kid wants to go do something, if, if, if I want to go climb a mountain tomorrow, I never want my fitness to inhibit my ability to go do something I want to go do. That's the reason why I'm exercising right now. If my daughter wants to go swim, if my son wants to go bike, I got you. So you got to know why you're doing something. So that, that's number one is we should be fitnessing every day for whatever drives you. And that's what drives me, right? And then the other is, you know, just not waking up 10 years from now and be like, dude, you know what, man? I've been a really shitty dad or I've been really shitty at business. And I think that just is daily check-ins um, or weekly check-ins. Just, hey, how have I been doing, right? And am I, am I actually reaching my potential in these different areas of my life? And I do think that's something that anybody could do is that everybody has different strengths and weaknesses. You might be significantly better at playing the guitar or whatever than I am. And, and, and we might be, again, have talents in these specific areas, but are we, and only you could judge, reaching your full potential. And that's what drives me from a business perspective. I don't want to wake up when I'm 60 and say, damn, we had a lot of really good opportunities, but I just didn't take them. You know, I, I want to know that I'm cautiously, but not being fearful of fa failure, but going after the things to reach our potential. And that's all good and great. But when your alarm goes off at 4 a.m., what's going through your head? Well, if you have those two things in mind of why you're doing it, that's a great reason to get up, right? If you don't know why you're doing something, you're like, like, for example, if you're lazy and you're watching Netflix all day, right? You're not going to immediately. So, okay, I get what you're saying. Two things. If you're lazy and you know you're lazy and it's hard for you to get out of that rut, start off really small. Just go for a five minute walk and build that confidence, right? And then tomorrow go for a five minute walk and then do that for like a week. You don't need to do a lot better. Just do a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And I think that's a key. And then another thing is just know why you want to do something like, and make sure that your actions align with what you want to do. Like if you want to be successful, if you want to be able to provide for your family, but yet you're watching Netflix for six hours a day, you're probably not in line with that vision. And so know why and start off small. Better is better. So uh, that's solid advice. So last question then, you know, your book AMRAP Mentality is really about being focused on the given task, the task at hand. How did you get better at that? Because for so many people, their phones are dinging, their, their kids are calling them. There's always, you know, shiny keys coming from the corner. How have you improved at that? Well, what I realized through the AMRAP mentality is like, when I do an AMRAP, like, let's just say, I say, hey, Jason, do five minutes of burpees. That's all you're doing. That's all you're focused on. You're not focused on anything else but that five minutes of burpee. And so I wanted to take that same mentality to everything else I was doing in life. And what I realized was, for me to reach my potential, I keep using that term because it's really important for me. I needed to assign a task, focus on it, and then move on to the next one. Doing a salt bike intervals and being on calls with Asia just wasn't working for me anymore. Being on calls and trying to ride my bike with the kids just wasn't working for me anymore. Because so I was one foot in and one foot out on everything. I was just doing everything half-assed. I wasn't reaching my potential. And so if you treat each facet, like right now, you don't see me on my phone with you. Like I'm You've here, right here. One of the best people I've ever spoken to. And that's why I really wanted to ask you that. Because I can tell when someone's looking at this or looking at that and giving you 90%, you're clearly giving 100. And it, it was, and it was you know, it's important to me. I've read your book. You're someone I admire. I admire your business structure. To actually see that happening is very different than to hear people talking about it. 
Oh, thanks, man. I know, Bobby, back to what we were talking about. Like, like, literally, I'm here with you right now. That's all that matters to me. Like, yes, my kids are downstairs and all this other stuff's going on. But right here, right now, it's you and me. And I made a commitment to you. And you're making a commitment back to me. And I want to give everything I can. What I don't want is to walk away from this podcast and say, hey, did I not answer Jason's questions well because I was distracted on um, my phone, right? Or whatever. I never want to have those type of regrets. And I was tired of having them. I was tired of saying to myself, dude, could I have done a better job on that call or whatever? Now I just don't do that, right? And I segment my day. So for example, I was on a, um, I've done a few podcasts today, a few different things. Um, I'm, uh, I'm about to go um, ride my bike in the mountains and that's what I'm gonna be doing, right? I'll be listening to an audio book while I'm doing it, but I'm still, that's, that's, I'm focused on that. When I come back tonight, I'm going to be boom with the family and that's it. And it's just a really easy way for me to feel like I'm reaching my potential in different areas. What audio book are you currently listening to? Uh, Tipping Point uh, by Malcolm Gladwell. Gladwell. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, "Ah!" I'm like, I'm on chapter four. Um, Some of that stuff is kind of interesting because it's so relatable to the current situation we're in where um, he talks about pandemics and and, and, in a different light. Um, A couple books I've read recently, or listen to recently. I like listening to audiobooks. Um, obviously, David Goggins can't hurt me. I thought that was a really good book. If you're a father or if you're a parent, probably need to fast forward through the first couple chair, ch- chapters. Are pretty heavy about him getting beat as a kid. Um, did you read that book or no? Yeah, yeah, no, I've read that book. Great book, but I agree with you. Yeah, the first few chapters are tough. The first few chapters are pretty heavy. Um, Chop wood, carry water. I thought was pretty good. Have you have you read that? No, I've been recommended that a couple of times. So I'll definitely check it out now. And, um, you know, obviously like shoe dog, I mean, that's an easy one from Phil Knight and, you know, I have a bunch of them that I've downloaded and I'll get a little bit through it, but right now I'm on tipping point, but I think I might shift gears. If you have a recommendation, I'm, I'm all ears. I'm finishing up Sapiens. Hopefully I'll be done with that today. Oh, dude, that's a long book. It's a I, long one. It's tough, but it's really great just for history, for where the world is coming and where it's potentially going. Yeah, I started reading that when Ava was diagnosed with leukemia. It was a recommendation. And uh, that's a very long, um, <laughs> thorough book. <laughs> yeah, you have to listen to that one. You have to audible yeah. it. Yeah. All right. I said last question, but truly last question, because I stopped asking this to people, but you've, been, you've really been everywhere in the CrossFit world. So I think you would have great insight. Cliche question, but who's your CrossFit Mount Rushmore? And I ask you because while that you're four? thinking- that's Is that four? four? <laughs> yeah, you gotta read Sapiens. <laughs> you definitely should read Sapiens if you're asking is that four. Um, so, and the reason I ask you, for those that don't know, I mean, you're a games champion, longtime seminar staff, you know, box owner, author, et cetera. I mean, you've done just about everything you can do in the CrossFit space. So you have a good insight on everything. You know, people come on, they throw only games athletes up there. I'm anxious to see what someone who's run it all says. Well, I think you can't, you can't put the Mount Rushmore. It's like you're talking about overall CrossFit, obviously without Greg Glassman. I mean, like that's, that's. I agree. That's, I, I find it amusing that people don't put him on there at times. Yes. Um, I'd also make the argument that you could put Dave Castro up there. Um, I think that as polarizing as he is, and him and I have gotten into our fair share of riffs here and there, I think that he's done a lot for the sport and also for the training environment that a lot of people don't know about. Um, a lot of people don't know that Dave is not just the director of the games for a long time. He was on seminar staff leading that him and Nicole Carroll. Um, you know, I think she's very, you know, influential, especially in the seminar side. So I'd put, I would put 
Dave, again, that's, uh, I put Greg, <sighs> man, you know, I mean, there's some OGs that really laid the framework for what it was on. Oh man, that's a, that's a great question. I, I, you'd, you'd, you'd probably have to put Rich Froney, right? Just because he really elevated the sport. Um, him and I had some great battles together. So I'd say those three. Um, dude, I mean, maybe, I, I don't know. What do you think? I, I mean, if I, if I, you know, I mean, you can't argue those three, and especially Dave and, and, and Coach Glassman. I think, you know, Coach Glassman obviously started this thing, and I don't think the games would be what it is without Dave's vision. From there, you can't go wrong. I think Rich is Rich is good. I think we probably want to throw a female up there that's, you know, helped women realize what they can do. I don't know who that yeah, is. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's funny because you always kind of gravitate towards, like, like, like Annie Thor's daughter has been extremely influential in the sport, and – She's been in it for so, so long, and she's had such a dynamic. She owns a gym. She, she learned how to do her first muscle-up at the uh, nine games. I mean, she's been very influential there as well. I think there's a lot of women that have kind of taken shape in terms of the Icelandic women. I could put them in that, that category that have really um, shown a different side of, of the female side. So I, I would say Greg and Dave, you got to put on there. Um, you know, and there's been, there's been a – like a group of five or 10 people. I really think that, you know, you can start saying that Ben Bergeron's been influential. You can say that uh, um, Ben Smith, um, you could probably, I mean, if you're just purely going off games appearances, you can go off, you know, me, Matt Frazier, those are all different people, but. Absolutely. Do you, do you miss being on seminar staff, traveling, coaching seminars? I do and I don't. So, I mean, I used to travel every weekend for a long time and I was one foot in, one foot out. I'll never forget the time that I basically resigned was we were at our gym, NorCal Crosses at the time. And at the time the, the business had grown, maybe we had like three or four locations. And someone was up there doing a um, lecture and I was on my computer at another room working. And Boz comes up to me. He's like, hey man, I'd really appreciate if you were in that room for the seminars or for the lectures. And I said to him, I said, you know, I've heard these lectures a hundred times. I've given them a thousand times, whatever. Um, he goes, yeah, but like you're working this gig, like you should be a part of the gig. And it's like, and I said, like at that point, I was like, you know what, man, I just, I can't, I can't, um, commit to eight hours a day, two days a week on the weekends when I have our business that I need to focus on. And it was at that point where we just kind of mutually agreed that working on seminar staff was a distraction to where I wanted to go with our business. And I was one foot in, one foot out. I wasn't doing the best I could as a seminar staff instructor. I was just the guy that would get up and teach the groups and maybe my lectures. But outside of that, I was gone. And I wasn't doing the best I could for the business because I was shutting down our gym on the weekends, which was not the best customer experience. And I wasn't fulfilling the demands I needed to. So that's what pivoted me. Um, but while it lasted, it was great. Yeah, and I think that's one thing about seminar staff. It's like you were up there and I doubt one participant realized that. But the type of people that are on staff are the type of people that realize, hey, if I can't give it all, I'm giving zero. And I think, you know, it's, it's tough, probably a very tough decision, but turns out, looks like it was the right decision. You know, everything has grown for you since then. Yeah. I mean, look, this, the COVID and putting all the memberships on hold has been pretty tough, but um, we'll get past it. I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's a super exciting time, right? Because there's going to be opportunities that my parents never had. 
you know, my dad came from here, from here, from Iran um, during the Shah and during the revolution, he came to the United States and it was like a whole different land for him, right? A lot of opportunity. I almost feel like that's a great opportunity for everybody right now, not to equate that to the revolution, I, I don't, but I'm just saying right now is a really unique time where there's, the landscape is almost like a clean slate and whoever wants to really pick up and run with it, I think has a great opportunity. I agree. So people are listening. Obviously everyone can find you online and all that, but what's the next thing you have going on where people can learn from you and what you're doing for the business? Um, you know, obviously if you're a gym owner and you haven't checked out the NC fit collective, I would recommend it. I think it's a really valuable tool. I think it save you a lot of time. We put out all the resources that we use in our locations. Um, we have our business of fitness podcast, which just, you know, we put out stuff that we're going through. We don't talk about hypotheticals. We just say, Hey, this is what we're going through and just sharing. And those are good resources. And then, um, you know, I'm going to try and put out when, I, when we're ready, I'll put out a web webinar to the public. It's just right now, I don't want to put out information until we have a clear direction of where we're going. And then we could share that with everybody. I don't want to talk about hypotheticals. Sounds good. That's what I wanted to know. Like if you're going to put stuff out with what you're doing or what other boxes should be doing, but smart move. Yeah. Let's see what's going on before we open back up. Yeah. hundred percent, dude. Well, this has been a good conversation. We actually, uh, went the, the, uh, yeah, this has been a good conversation. I think, uh, I wasn't the Mount Rushmore is a good one. Well, you'll think about it. You, you, you did a good job. Yeah. That was a 60 minute AMRAP. So I appreciate having, having your, your attention and time and, and all that. I'm going to actually go check out one of your workouts right now and go do it myself in the extra bedroom. And I appreciate you coming on and I appreciate all you do for the, for the CrossFit world. All right. Thanks brother. Appreciate it. Hope everybody has a great day. Thanks again for listening to best hour of their day. And thanks again to our special guest. We appreciate all you guys do for us with best hour of their day when it comes to sharing our posts on Instagram, when it comes to subscribing to us on YouTube, when it comes to the constant feedback, we are grateful and we appreciate it. We are trying to build a community based on coaching development and becoming the best version of yourself. And it goes without saying that we couldn't do without all of you. So if you haven't already please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Season one of Dropping In is out. We are getting tremendous feedback and we'd love for you to check it out. Leave us a comment on there. Head over to our Instagram, give us a follow, like our pictures. Feel free to share anything that resonates with you. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback for us, please don't hesitate. Email us, besthouroftheirday at gmail.com. Thanks again. Until the next episode, we hope you've had the best hour of your day.